to a competition dancer is a fun and sometimes stressful experience. Each week, we tackle a topic, share our wins and fails, tips and hacks to help you have a little more fun and a little less stress at your dancer's next competition. I'm Casey. And I'm Amira. Welcome to Two Dance Moms Podcast. My big sis is back, a licensed clinical psychologist and a faculty member at UCSF's Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences. My sis, Elisa, is equipped to help us tackle some of the conflicts that can arise in your studio or on your team. You all sent in some more scenarios that have come up for you in your dance world, and Dr. Elisa is here to help you out. Welcome, Elisa, and welcome, listeners, to this episode of Two Dance Moms Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Thank you, Amira. Thank you for coming. I'm so glad you're back. Visiting for the holidays, but also to record. Yes, very good to see family um, and friends. Yeah, it's a good time of year. It's my favorite time of year. I know. And holidays are over. I feel like the day after Christmas and I could finally like, well, I still couldn't think. But the day after Christmas, I was done thinking about Christmas and all of a sudden I realized dance season. Oh yeah, it's fast upon us. Yes. And New Year's, It's if you guys are listening to this, it is 2024 and we've moved on to a new year. So this is a perfect time to us for us to like address challenges that might come up in the studio in this coming year. And people are all taking like new, fresh approaches to things maybe. So this is a good way to start it, I think. I love it. We also have a lot going on in 2024 that's different for us. We do. It's been almost a whole year since we've started recording the podcast. And yes. we are excited. Just like with our dancers, we like to set goals. We evaluate How was the year? What do we want to do better? What do we want to change? And we've done that with the podcast Mm -hmm. at our year mark. We have. We've got some exciting things coming up in 2024 for the Two Dance Mom podcast family. Yes, Two Dance Moms has a new approach in 2024. So you guys want to listen because in a couple days we're going to share some announcements. We have some new stuff going on here at the podcast and we also wanted to take a second to just say thank you so much for listening and supporting us in this year of, of growth and change and learning what we're doing. One exciting update we can share now is our new sponsorship with Apollo Shocks. They are a compression performance sock made by dancers for dancers. And we have been wearing them, so have our dancers. My daughter recently rolled her ankle at school, suffered a mild sprain. And when she went back to dance, she was wearing the Apollo shocks to make sure that her ankle was fully supported. It gave her compression in all the right places. And as you know, I've said it before, she loves to dance barefoot. The jewel sock is her favorite because it is open on the ball of the foot and the heel. That is her go-to, she loves them. And I love knowing that she has the support she needs, especially as we are heading into comp season, we don't want any more injuries. So. Go to apollaperformance.com today for yourself and for your dancer, official sponsor of Two Dance Moms podcast. Elisa, we're so grateful to have you here. We do have some scenarios. Thank you all that wrote in and offered up some questions to have Elisa here to talk about. We do just wanna say that we are keeping everyone anonymous. So we are not saying any names um, to protect all of your dancers out there. Absolutely. Number one. What do you do when your dancer is a beautiful dancer and loves to dance, but is not an elite dancer? No matter how hard she tries, 
how do you deal with the side eyes and the negative comments when they perform their solo and it's just okay and they never win any awards. As a dance mom, it makes me feel conflicted because I am both proud of her and kind of embarrassed that she didn't do better. My heart goes out mm-hmm. to you, dance parent, because I love your honesty and yeah. that you feel comfortable in this anon- anonymous environment to admit that because I think a lot yeah. of people have and will be there. To be so transparent. We appreciate your transparency in this question. Yes, but I'm curious, Elisa, how you would suggest approaching that. Yeah, I, first I want to congratulate the mom. Um, she definitely has some insight into her ability to feel both proud and embarrassed at the same time. So I think we can take this question on two levels and the mom might want to kind of explore more about her embarrassment and how to kind of deal with that and accept it. But I also think that it's really good that you stress to your daughter and to yourself that she is really competing against herself and trying to improve upon her own personal best and not necessarily always against the other dancers. So you might want to notice and point out to yourself and to her when she improves against her prior performance. And also maybe she she enjoys it. Notice how much she enjoys it. Maybe she even enjoys it uh, the most out of the group. But I do want to say it sounds like the studio or the group is not entirely supportive and so if this is an environment you kind of want to make sure you're on the same page with your daughter but if this is an environment that you feel is kind of um, not supportive or your daughter is not feeling comfortable there I would suggest perhaps investigating other options or studios what do you guys think about that you answered it so perfectly it kind of echoes what we've talked about in the solo episode that you want to tell your dancers that their successes should be measured against their prior performances and not always how they place because there's so much focus on placements especially in this dance world but I think you hit the nail on the head for me when you said Mm -hmm. assess the environment because it just seems that you want to make sure that the environment they're in matches what you're working so hard to prioritize with them maybe either discuss it with the dance team at the studio or or don't and just assess internally with your dancer whether or not it's a supportive environment i think specifically what you were saying about competing against yourself i think that's a great point of advice for the parent because our kids are developing through the whole process of their solo it's such a growth experience for them to develop as a dancer and there are going to be things at the beginning that when they learned the dance even that they maybe couldn't even do and then when they get on stage maybe it's still rough but they can now do it and that's a point that you can focus on for complimenting and showing pride in your child and telling them like hey look at this thing that you like really didn't even know how to do mm-hmm. a couple months ago and now you can do it like amazing and there are specific things that we can pull out to compliment our child and to tell them like look at this look at this point of growth look at how you were determined and you stuck with it and now you're stronger 
and better at this. Along those lines too, I will say I'm curious if this is the dancer's first year. We don't know. Hmm. But that first year, there is so much to be said for the fact that they're just getting on the stage. That they're like there and they have makeup on. I feel like it's a huge accomplishment. I'm comparing to like our very first year. There's just such growth that year. And knowing what expectations there are and even just being there and present I think is like a huge success. So I'm curious what year this dancer is in. But yeah. I, I think that that might contribute. And if it's not this dancer's first year, I'm sure there are plenty of other people who are going through this with their child and their solo. Mm-hmm. And it might be their first year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to just reiterate what Casey said. If you can navigate this successfully, this will be a great life lesson that will serve your daughter very well throughout her life. If she's able to enjoy something uh, that she loves and to keep at it, regardless of how she is comparing to others, that is just something that will give her a great start in life. Oh my gosh. I feel like I didn't really learn that until I was 30. (laughs) Like I remember being 30 and like wanting to paint and I was like not a good painter, but I was like, (laughs) I want to paint. And I was like, I don't care if I'm like the best painter or if people think that I'm good at painting. I find joy in painting and I'm going to paint. And I just did. I just started painting. See, it's never too late. No, but I wasn't, I was 30 when I decided like, I'm going to do this because it brings me joy and that's enough. Yep. Life life lessons. It's why we're spending so much money and time to have our kids in these activities. Yeah. So So if you can, if you can help teach that to your child before they're 30, win. (laughs) I mean, there's something called internal motivation and people that have that typically perform better than others that are strictly externally motivated. And if this doesn't come up in dance, it will probably come up in some other area of life. So I would say this is as good a time as any to um, to face it with your child. Yeah. Okay, number two. My daughter is a beautiful and strong dancer in the junior age division, but her and her friends are often getting in trouble with their teachers during class. These are good kids, and I worry the teachers are being overly strict. My dancer used to love going to the studio, but now she doesn't want to go. Your podcast tagline is trying to have a little more fun and a little less stress, but I'm worried the teachers don't care about making it fun at all. Yeah, this is another one where I do wonder if a switch in the environment or the studio would be worth exploring because it sounds like if she's not having fun and they are all including her getting in trouble maybe the goals of the studio and of you and your daughter are not on the same page first i'd make sure your daughter and you are kind of understanding each other but it sounds like maybe there are opportunities to explore either other studios or other venues in which she can explore her love of dance at the very least, I would suggest maybe a break to kind of reassess things. And yes, the joy definitely has to outweigh the stress. But a lot of these pursuits do come with some level of mm-hmm. stress. And so you need to decide what level is right for you and your child. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I thought of was welcome to the junior <laughs> age division. Yes. Um 
I we talked about this in the parenting through the ages and stages episode. Um, and juniors are just juniors get in trouble. I they think it's just they're learning dynamics with each other. It's generally nine to eleven mm. year olds, and that's when this is the first time. Um, my daughter started with as a junior last year, and that's the first time there was ever you know eliminations of certain mm. things that they looked forward to because the group was acting a certain way, and it wasn't ones in particular. But it was sort of maybe the thing the the group in general was focusing on or they were chitter chattering or distracted. And so I think a lot of it has to do with the age. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm telling myself we just wait it out. <laughs> so that's what I'm telling you, mm. dance mom. Wait it out. <laughs> yeah. It's like their skill is really good at that age. They're becoming a little stronger. They're, they're really excited about dance. And so they have all that energy and that zhuzh in their heart to like put it yeah the gusto (laughs) to like get out there and do it but they're they're still young Mm -hmm. and so like some of that gusto is coming out in chattering and playing and they you know have all these friends and you know it's just kind of like I don't know it's just a tough two years I think yeah maybe maybe wait it out I'm curious what the dancer is getting in trouble for at the studio but that's neither here nor there um I, I think it's sort of a time of the age and I it's sad that she's losing joy as a result mm-hmm. but I think with time passing and those disruptions happening less and getting in trouble happening less hope hopefully the joy returns like you were saying mm-hmm. Lisa weighing it out talking to your dancer getting on the same page finding if it's hey is this just an us in the season thing is it that the studio isn't right for us is it that maybe my daughter isn't ready for competitive dance and she just wants to dance recreationally for just focus on the joy of dance and not that kind of like more intense pressure of it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of good conversations that maybe need to be had. Yeah, it's great. So you guys have this really dance specific insight that Mm -hmm. I think really applies to this question. So I learned something for sure. And yeah, 10 year olds should be enjoying what they spend a lot of time and money and effort on. So you might want to talk to her and try to find out what she likes the most about dance and if there's even other areas in which she could get that. I think of like musical theater and that might be Mm -hmm. way off, but if there's something that she enjoys the most, maybe that is a slightly different direction she wants to go in. I definitely recommend for... Anybody who's going through this with this age specific, go back and listen to our Parenting Through the Ages and Stages Mm -hmm. podcast where we specifically talked about minis and juniors. Juniors. Yep. Good episode. All right. Number three. Number three. We have one mean girl actively working to turn the group against a team member. Oof. What do I do? This is really, really hard. And, um... So-called mean girls in psychology, we call it relational victimization, can really, really hurt kids. And just because it's not verbal or physical abuse sometimes, it can really hurt a young girl at a critical time and influence her life. And it's also really hard to deal with. This also might be an age stage specific question So if it's a younger child, I think there is the opportunity to potentially talk to a mother or a teacher and try to curb that behavior. It sounded like this was an older girl. And if it's a teen, 
I don't know if that approach, I feel like that might backfire, actually. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. As the mother of a teen, <laughs> I would agree with you. <laughs> right. And these, unfortunately, these mean girls are going to pop up. And so I think another conversation needs to be had where the dancer and the mother decide if it's worth it to go somewhere else, if it's really impacting her performance and she just can't do what she wants to do here, or is there a choice to kind of accept it, ignore it, work with it, not play some of those games? And I don't want to just say suck it up, but to deal with it in a way that maybe promotes some growth. But I don't know if it's taking a serious toll. I would probably find another, this is a theme, another <laughs> studio or place not worth it. <laughs> that is more supportive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I question if helping like approaching a teacher or a director might help. Like you said, it might differ depending upon mm. the age of the dancer because it, it could backfire. I, I can only imagine how difficult this is for the mom of this dancer. It's probably mm. very, very challenging. And I feel like sometimes what I feel like a lot of, you know, empathy for a dance parent might, I fall back on, you know, asking, is there a life lesson that your child mm. is the silver lining in this? Is there something that your child would maybe learn from in this I mean there's a movie called Mean Girls for a reason mm-hmm. it's not like and it's popular because it's relatable it's mm-hmm. relatable so it's it's almost like it could happen in any studio in any scenario in any sport so I, I agree depending upon the situation it may just be powering through and getting through it and learning and maybe things change dynamics change with the girls but I I, I guess I'm just empathetic to mm-hmm. you I feel terrible that your dancer is going through this it'd be very hard I would also just talk about different strategies for my child coping with this. Like, mm. is there another girl that's sort of not in this group or not, you know, experiencing this or she could kind of band together with her and at least have mm-hmm. one good friend? Or maybe an older um, girl. An older girl. I don't know if they could switch classes. I think what happens, unfortunately, is that sometimes someone who's the victim of this kind of victimization actually tries to befriend the, mm. I'll call them abusers, And then that just provokes further abuse. It's kind of a really vicious cycle. And I do, I do think this should be taken seriously, especially if the child is very upset or what kind of, you know, it's usually exclusion, uh, you know, kind of snide comments that are involved in this mean girl behavior. Like she said, turning, trying to turn the team against her. Like it's not just like one girl is being nasty. It's like, She's being nasty and re- like trying to rally a team, yeah, to be people na- to join yeah. her. Right. I mean, if that's honestly the case, and there is this sort of ganging up mentality, I do think, personally, as a non-dance mom, I would be really tempted to have my child go elsewhere. Yeah. I think this is just a not healthy environment. For them and probably for, for a lot of kids. So, right. I mean, maybe you want to talk to the teacher about it and explain why you're going elsewhere. But, I mean, there's, you kind of, it's a really fine line. You have to decide what battles are worth fighting and kind of pushing through and what are just unwinnable, um, going to drive you crazy and make your kid feel worse. And yeah. from from a 
a dance perspective, we are mid-season currently. Mm. Yeah. So when this when this is going to be considered, it's like you may already be in the middle of your like choreo is done. You're about to set out into your costumes season. are paid for in a variety. Yeah. Likely. So yeah. depending on like how how mm. bad it is, if you choose to be like, hey, we're gonna sit on it. And, you know, I'm going to coach my child through this for the rest of the year. Or maybe it's it's bad enough that you feel like you got to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're not privy to those details, so it's yeah. hard to say. But it is a tight spot because right now when we're recording this, it's January. It's so. a tough time to make a decision like that. But you do have to weigh it. Like Elisa said, you have to weigh for the protection of your child. The last thing I want to just clarify that I might have come down a little too hard on the not talk to the other moms or the teacher. I would say if like the daughter is maybe um, the daughter of of someone you're close to or friend and that relationship is important, I would definitely work that out with them as well. Or if someone, yeah, I, I, I just think. It kind of depends on the situation. That but makes sense. Yeah, yeah, if you feel close to them. All right, should we move on? Do it. How do we handle favoritism? My daughter feels like the teacher treats the other dancers as her favorites. These teens are the only ones regularly getting compliments and positive attention in class while my daughter is ignored and it has hurt her feelings. She feels like the teacher truly dislikes her. What do we do? This is another tough one that I think could be taken several ways and may depend a bit by age. Um, If this is a young child under 13, I would probably try and bring it up in kind of a low stakes manner with the teacher. Um, And it's possible that the teacher is not completely aware of it. However... If this is a case where, I mean, we can't really tell here if the teacher really doesn't like the child. Um, or if or, it's perceived. Perception, If yeah. it's perceived or, I mean, and I do want to say, I mean, kids, the teachers play favorites. So it might be she likes the child, but she just has students that she kind of interacts with more. Yeah. And I think, I, I don't know if I would assume that she doesn't like her. If, she, if it's clear, though, that there is not a good relationship between the teacher and the daughter, again, this might be an opportunity to find a new teacher. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, because I feel like a teacher, they don't have to, they're going to play favorites, and this might be a good conversation to have about how, you know, things are not always fair. But if there should be a certain level, I feel, of of support and you have to um, remain unbiased as a teacher's role to right. some extent. Adults well, should rise to this level. I mean, some unfortunately, some do not. Mm-hmm, but yeah. they should attempt to be more equitable in this situation. Yeah. I think we could have an entire episode on favoritism. Right. You know? I'm writing that down. Write mm-hmm. it down. Put it in the notes. <laughs> in particular, in the dance world but I feel the more competitive you get in sports the more you maybe see that you know maybe a coach not favoring or a trainer not favoring or appearing to not favor a certain athlete or a certain participant but sometimes that can mean that they maybe see the most potential in that student so it can be you know taken both ways do you feel like it comes up more as you get more competitive what's interesting with this particular 
person, like I would, I would pair it back and be like, what is your child receiving training wise? Mm. Like we often say with other dance parents, like you're thrown into this situation. Like you didn't necessarily choose these people to like go on multiple trips every year with (laughs) you, you are put together in this group for the purpose of dance. And the same with your kid, like, is there training suffering? Is this teacher not giving your kid the same amount of attention to to their development? Because that's what you've hired this person Mm. to do. You've hired them to train your child to become a good dancer. Now, if I felt like my kid was not getting the proper attention for their training, I would be annoyed. As getting in that older Mm -hmm. frame, Mm -hmm. when they're littler, I would want to know that my kid felt safe with these people Mm -hmm. and supported that that person that the teachers were equally encouraging all of the I would say like juniors and below like how important is this teacher is this teacher like the only teacher are there other teachers and it's just this one that we don't have connection with because there are some people that you just aren't going to connect with Mm -hmm. that's a good point yeah it's maybe just not a good fit yeah Yeah. there are plenty of people that I just like try as I might like I just cannot be best friends with them yeah and I may even want to but for whatever reason we just like see like never connect oil and water yeah you know and it's just the way of different personalities and and even as a kid as a teenager they've developed enough as a person they've got enough of a personality as does the teacher that you're going to start to see those conflicts in personality where you just may not click with somebody it's not that you dislike them yeah you just might not like click well, and a parent will not have a say in a teenager's teachers at dance. You just won't be able to say, it, like, unless you have a giant studio that has multiple, mm. multiple options for your dancer's level, in general, you're not going to be able to, like, move things around on a team to say, we want to take pre-pro with this teacher. I There's see. generally one, like, pre-pro teacher or right. something like that. Um, you know, and maybe some giant studios do have that offering. But what you can affect that I would encourage if your dancer feels this way is you cannot choose or opt out of that particular particular teacher oh. as your solo choreographer. That's something you would have the, you know, I'm assuming would have some impact in you um, can, choosing or not choosing that. And maybe just make it, I want to say a little more like business professional. Like right. I go into oh, the yeah. studio and right. you train me and I feel like I'm coming away with what I've paid for. Mm. And maybe it's not that close relationship, but ideally you have other people at the studio that you feel close to and that you're feeling like poured into from. But if that teacher is still giving you good training. Right. But and maybe that would make bad, the dancer feel better because there mm. would not even be the question of whether or not. Yeah, I would. Yeah. The I dancer mean, writing in. I think what you guys have kind of made me think is that this does depend on whether they kind of have any option to not work with this teacher and if they're getting something you know a value from this experience and the child is you know we we were saying about more teen you do want to maybe sit down with that kid and ask like is this something you feel comfortable discussing with the teacher I would just make them more part of that conversation if they're older if you choose that it's worth even discussing I mean I think there's some situations where it will be clear and just you know it doesn't have to be a angry conversation Mm -hmm. or a kind of conversation I think we talked about this before in the other uh, episode but you know kind of coming in non-confrontationally and making it a problem that you both can solve in kind of a non-blaming way and so, not emotional, I think like direct, yeah. Right. Honest, you said, um, what was the word you said? Don't 
approach it as like something they can retort with? Do you still right, feel in that case? Like right. you would almost approach it as like, this is how this has made me feel. Exactly. Not opening up a window Using for like a back and forth. that language. Proving, yeah. Yeah. Like just, just, this is how I feel in this scenario when X happened. Well, and yeah. even as a compliment, I don't know how you feel about this, yeah. but telling the teacher like, hey, your opinion matters to me. Yeah. I really, yeah. I really value your opinion. What is like the recipe you're supposed to like start with? The a compliment, compliment sandwich. Yeah. Compliment sandwich. And with a compliment. I've heard it called something Insert. else. <laughs> <laughs> um, not too great. Um, no, I, I do think this, there are some like life lessons here and act, you know, talking about what you kind of need to do your best. Like, hey, I need some positive feedback here. I don't know if how many kids are super capable of that, but it is a good skill. The very last thing I want to say is that the most important thing is just making sure your child understands that this is not because of anything she did or is. Like, this is the teacher, you know, not being fair. And it, you know, adults really should step up at this level um, and either do this equally with all the kids or not at all. So this isn't anything the child is blamed for. That, bingo. That is so good. And it actually, when you said that it made me think some dance coaches, some dance teachers are very young. They are Mm -hmm. hardly not teenagers themselves. (laughs) Yes, that's a good point. So depending on the age of this dance teacher who is not, you know, fulfilling this kind of mature leadership role that you're looking for, they should be, they should be fair to their team. They should be encouraging all of their students. They are their students. But if this dance coach or, you know, whomever they are is is like 19 or 20 they're just figuring it out themselves Mm -hmm. that's a good point a Mm -hmm. lot of times they are young and learning that dynamic and And it comes with experience I remember when I was a kid and I had like people in my life that were like in their very very young 20s and I looked at them as an adult Mm because I was 17 or whatever and I would talk to my mom about something that this youth leader had done that I felt was like you know hurt my feelings or I was upset and my mom was like, well, they're still a kid. Like it's her, true. her expectation yeah. was like, well, they don't know any better. They're, yeah, they're figuring they're it out. They're still a child too. themselves. Yeah. And it's easy to look at it from that point when you're like, you know, 40 or 50 and you're like, oh, they're still a baby. Very true. All right. Next question. A parent and child is blaming your dancer for low comp results of a duet to the other parents and kids. Ouch. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I want to hear from you guys first this time. What would you do in this situation? Um, I would probably approach the parent in the manner that my big sister has taught me. <laughs> and I would, would you be, take a beat? Because I don't I would have a hard time um, taking it would a beat. be very hard be a short beat to <laughs> take a beat I do have quite an inner mama bear I um dance mom fight club fullheartedly protect my child but at the same time if I know another dance parent is advocating for their child if their motivation is advocating for their child then I have a lot of sympathy and I can relate and connect with them so I think sometimes there has to be like a misunderstanding underlying mm. um I'm not trying to give too much credit mm-hmm. to this other parent child sounds just like not a very good person (laughs) and I don't know if it's just the way I'm reading it but I I will say that if you've misunderstood it's very possible that what you overheard in an intention to protect your child and because we are protective we may interpret things a little bit um, in the wrong way because we care about our kids so much 
I think I would probably do my best to take a beat and then I would approach in a very direct manner, um, not allowing sort of a back and forth, sort of just explaining how we felt and how I felt in hearing that and hope that it ended right there. That's what I would do. It's funny because I'm imagining myself. Mm. Thankfully, I've not walked through, walked through this scenario, <laughs> but I'm imagining myself. And I, there are several times in my life, maybe not several, I'll, a, a small few, where I've been so upset mm. that it's mm. like you can feel the blood just mm. flush your face because mm. you're just like, <gasps> and I feel like that would be my reaction my physical response mm. to like witnessing that yeah where it's like i would just flush with almost like indignation yeah it's a mama bear fury yeah mama bear fury so it would be hard yeah. but i i think that's that's a good point you know it's not really a conversation it's like i heard you say this shut it down and you know i can't control what you think but please keep that to yourself right Zip it. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I couldn't have done any better. Um, I think the only time in which I would just ignore it is if it's like a one-off and somebody is like, it's like gossip, like so-and-so was blaming your child. Oh, third person. You know, kind yes, of, yeah. because I could also mm-hmm. see that. But I think you're right. If you directly hear this, um, I mean, it may depend if it's a clear... Uh, insult or not but you have the right to always say you know please don't talk about my child like that or you know and and I think it is important the child knows that they're not to blame as well I think it's very easy if things go wrong especially in a duet Mm. to like blame the other person Mm -hmm. we're always sort of if you're competitive there can this be this nature in some people where they just want to kind of point fingers elsewhere for their own maybe protection or their own. And it's very unhealthy. It's not good. But if it's a child doing it, there's a lot more tolerance and understanding that yes. they're just trying to rationalize. Maybe they screwed up. Maybe they did something wrong and they felt bad about it. Well, and so their way of making it okay to their parents or their peers is like, oh, so-and-so did this because, you know. Um, And I'm not saying at all it's okay. It would be so hard to be on the receiving end of that Mm. in this person who wrote in's case. But um, knowing that it might just be a child that's kind of like figuring it out makes it seem less bad. Oh, that's true. It is different with a child. Yeah, because she did say parent slash child. So I don't know if it was a parent or a child that did it. Or maybe both, which is just inexcusable. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that I would correct children necessarily. Um, I would talk to my child probably about it and making sure that they were feeling okay. If they heard it. I mean, if this is not something the child heard, I don't think I would bring it up. Um, and, And again, like we talked a little bit about this. If it's kind of ambiguous, you want to kind of take that beat or check to see if you're reading into it a little too much like are they blaming your child is there another possible explanation if you're feeling like it you might even say hey it sounds like you're blaming my kid for this you know I don't know just if if it's ever unclear I don't know you should recognize that a lot of us the first thing we jump to is that's what they're you know they're they're dumping on my child and just kind of be aware that there may be other interpretations as well. That's, that's a good point because sometimes 
is it the child saying it? Is it the parent saying it? Is the child and the parent both together and they're yeah. like, ha, 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 right. collaborating? This terrible thing. Right. Are they talking to other people about it? Yeah. Did you overhear a parent and a child talking privately? Yeah, there's mm. so much we don't understand that would change the scenario. Yes. Right. This is, yeah, your mileage may vary and you might feel, you know, something very different might be right for you in the moment. And so, yeah, I do think above all, you should trust yourself. This is just kind of giving you some potential options to yeah. consider Good than point. your kind of gut, gut reaction. <laughs> yes. Don't fight. <laughs> fight mom, dance mom, fight dance club. Mom, fight club. Yeah. All right. Now on to our final question. This past year, my child started having anxiety about competing with the team at dance conventions. She used to love it so much, but now it's a source of stress and has gotten worse to the point of panic attacks. She loves dancing, but I don't want to make her do it when I see how difficult it is on her. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, And it sounds like it's been going on for a while now, Mm -hmm. a year. And so I do think the first thing to do would be to consult a professional Um, By that, I mean a therapist who specializes in child anxiety because there's some real evidence-based great treatments that actually don't take that long sometimes for this kind of anxiety. It's harder sometimes for parents to manage these kind of conditions, particularly panic attacks, because some of the treatments might seem a little bit contradictory. Like sometimes you want to bring out the symptoms and to show the child that they couldn't deal with them. And that's something a professional needs to to figure out with your child. But I will say um, just avoiding is not a solution. Although it may feel good in the short term, this kind of long-term avoidance can turn into a pattern where the child actually starts avoiding other things and the anxiety kind of generalizes to other areas of their life. So I think this is something that definitely needs to be addressed on a professional level. And you're saying like um, with the avoidance or avoiding the feelings, it it may do more damage in the long run because it wouldn't be learning to treat when she's feeling that way. It would just be avoiding feeling that. It's the anxiety. And so, yes. So what happens is if you're avoiding, you know, you, you have a lot of anxiety about doing something and then you avoid that thing two kind of bad things happen. One is you have this relief. You kind of like, you know, it feels better immediately. So you kind of have that conditioning we talked about last time where avoiding is associated with this kind of relief or positive um, emotion. Yes, so it's, it's kind of rewards that behavior, believe it or not. And then the worst part is that you don't have the opportunity to experience that anxiety and then have it habituate, which means that at some point it will go down mm. and to deal and to show that nothing bad happens due to the anxiety and to kind of work with it. And that actually will lessen it over time. But it, it, it does have to be done in kind of a very particular way. But it's it's much better for them to kind of be able to see that the anxiety is not something to fear or that can necessarily change what they want to do what is it what the worst thing to fear is fear itself but over time it becomes less of a a boogeyman or you know it it just it goes away if you kind of stop believing in it a little bit I know that sounds very simplistic but I really think this needs to be done this is something that you can't really do 
on your own at the don't panic attack no, level. Don't wing it, get no, help, get help. no, there's actually opportunities to make it worse. Unfortunately, sometimes Ugh. we um, we walked down a similar path, not this intensely by any means. But my daughter did deal with a little bit of anxiety when she was younger, some feelings of anxiousness, and you want to just kind of protect them and make it so it's like, oh, you don't have to do this thing you don't want to do because I don't want you to feel Feel this way way. I want to fix it but we did talk to somebody and they gave us the advice to kind Mm. of just power through and it was the best advice for us because she was able to work through it but it's it's painful as a parent to have a kid that's dealing with some anxiety seeking help I think is so important too because there's so many it sounds like so many ways we can get it wrong but if like I have never been in this scenario I've never experienced this so expecting myself as a parent mm. to be able to treat it just seems ridiculous. Like you wouldn't expect a doctor that didn't have training. So you do need right. to, I think, find someone that's equipped to deal with something like that. Yeah, and it's hard, you know, to see your child uncomfortable and to know that having them continue will lead to them feeling bad. But I have worked in a child anxiety clinic and there's been a lot of research done And it's actually one of the most wonderful things in that the treatments really work and it's amazing to see the progress the kids can make. It's one of those things as opposed to some other um, issues that you can really see a dramatic life change in a relatively short time. If you skip whatever that thing is that you're upset about or that's causing anxiety, whatever is like the top of the iceberg of the anxiety, and you let your kid avoid it, it's going to turn into something else later on. And then it continues. And then they, as an adult, will still not have the tools to mm-hmm. learn how to deal with their anxiety. That's a very good point. Yeah. So it's like we as parents, our goal is to kind of prepare our kids to be functional adults. And if we're not teaching them how to like deal with the anxiety now, it's still going to be there later on. Yeah, that's a really good thing because it does often generalize so the kid starts avoiding school and then starts avoiding other things because they're avoiding anything that gives them the least bit of anxiety because that's kind of a sign to them that something is really wrong. And it's not always good just to like push them in like, okay, you're going to do it right now. You know, there might need to be a testing of the waters and that's why I think a professional is really good to guide this kind of uh, treatment. Next up, our top of the topic. Today, we've got our very first top four, top four ways to encourage a healthy mental outlook for your dancer. And we are going to rely on my sister, Dr. Elisa, to help us through this. Number one, listen and support your dancer and always make sure you validate their feelings, even if you have a different take on it. Number two, be sure to have some balance in your life and Take some breaks or consider other options if you are not experiencing joy. That reminds me of our episode with Chloe. Mm-hmm. Having that identity not be just solely mm. in one thing. Yeah. Go back and listen to that one if that really applies to you. Yep. Number three. Encouraging self-comparison and not comparing yourself with others. Oh, that's so important. That was all our solo episode, right? Yeah. We're going to just keep hearkening. I'm still working on that. That's a lifelong. (laughs) Yeah, lifelong journey on that one. 
Okay, and our final top four way to encourage a healthy mental outlook. Number four, seek professional help when necessary or needed. All right, there you have it. That is our top four ways to manage a healthy mental outlook. We've been so grateful and appreciative and lucky to have my big sister here talking us through, you know, some of these scenarios and as well as our top four. Thank you and happy 2024. Wish you lots of dances and awards and nice teachers. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. And better uh, teammates. Relations. Yeah. Good, Good relations in your dance studio. <laughs> we also, as a reminder, have some big announcements for Two Dance Moms podcast in 2024. So we encourage you to listen and subscribe, follow the podcast. Make sure that you are aware in a couple days of what we have coming down the pipeline. Thank you so much. We will catch you next time on Two Dance Moms Podcast. If you heard our injury episode, you know that my dancer suffered a small injury while tumbling in a giant ballroom at a dance competition. It will occasionally flare up and she'll experience some tenderness, some bruising, and some instability. We have found relief in the jewel sock from Apollo Performance Socks. They're not bulky, so she can wear them over tights and under a ballet shoe. She feels more stable and supported when she dances. I love that she's protecting her joints for her future so she can keep doing what she loves. And they are our official podcast sponsor. So if you or your dancer has experienced a recent injury or just wants to protect their joints for their future, check out their website, Apollo Performance Socks, available in our show notes.